0: growing good of the world is partly dependent upon unhistoric acts, and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who live faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. That's a quote from George Eliot, the novelist, and the discussion of the growing good of the world is what this podcast, Sport and the Growing Good, is based on in this podcast over the first 50 episodes we've heard the stories of coaches and about how the work that they do leads to the growing good leads to improved lives and the betterment of communities and schools and and broader societies it's been really a great experience for me to learn from so many of these coaches and to hear about why they coach and some of the practices and strategies they use the ways they become leaders, what they've um, learned over the years. As we move on to the next set of 50 episodes of of the podcast, we'll pivot a little bit. We'll continue to hear the stories of great coaches and to hear why they do what they do and how they do it. Um, But we also will learn in more depth about some of the specific themes that coaches have talked about. So, for example, over the the first episodes uh, of this podcast over the last um, fifty episodes or so, we've heard co- a lot of coaches talk about conflict. We've heard coaches talk about resilience and coaches talking about teamwork and collaboration, and other coaches talking about humility or about the importance of teaching and how teaching takes shape on a field or on a court. So as we continue to talk to coaches, I also will now be seeking out experts in these topics and in these themes so that we can learn in greater depth about these themes and and the science behind them and the research behind them so that as we listen to um, this podcast, we can not only hear the stories of coaches, but we can hear the research behind what they say is important. It's a great privilege to be at a university where there are researchers and experts all around uh, that spend their life, their their work lives, devoted to kind of narrow topics. Um, So even as coaches are kind of jacks of all trades, there are a lot of researchers who really are um, much narrower in scope and they become really great experts in very specific things. So I will be seeking out a lot of these experts on themes that have been identified by coaches that can help grow the good in our schools and in our communities. The, the first one, today's episode, will be one of the first episodes that really kind of looks at um, the development of um, one of these themes and digging deeper into it. And the guest on the show is Professor Bob Enright, who is a um, professor in educational psychology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Professor Enright is a a licensed psychologist and he, um, I could go on for quite a while talking about his biography because it's very, very long and very distinguished. He's one of the most recognized researchers and scientists um, in in the world around his area of research. Um, But what he's especially known for um, over the course of the last 35 years, has been the study of forgiveness. Um, Dr. Enright is the founder of the International Forgiveness Institute, and he has um, been the pioneer of, of the study of forgiveness. As he talks about in our interview in this podcast, um, back in 1985 when he um, was at a kind of a juncture in his career where he was looking to do more, um, he looked into this theme of forgiveness in in the area of of moral development, and there was there was literally no study of it. No one had studied it and learned about it empirically, about what forgiveness is and the kind of effects of it, and and just all about the the kind of virtue of forgiveness. So over the over the time since that time in 1985, as 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 Professor Enright will share, he's He's authored over 120 publications and written seven books, um, and he's been the leader in the world in the issue of forgiveness and learning about it. Um, he will talk about some of some of that, but I would encourage you to, um, if you're interested in this topic as a coach or as a leader, to maybe go deeper and to um, read some of Dr. Enright's work. He will allude to some of it in the interview. And I bring it up a little bit in the interview, but um, I have two recommendations. One, if you're looking to read um, kind of a really nice synopsis of some of the key parts of his research, he has a book, one of his more recent books is called Eight Keys to Forgiveness. And in that work, he um, gives some of the, uh, just like it sounds, Eight Keys to Forgiveness. It's a really um, wonderful book for teachers and coaches and leaders. Another is if you're looking for kind of a, a quicker read on some of Dr. Enright's work, um, there's one of the leading kind of magazines in the area of psychology is, is called Psychology Today. And in Psychology Today, he has a regular blog or column that's called The Forgiving Life. Dr. Enright's um, written many, many um, entries there. They're kind of short entries on a specific theme around the topic of forgiveness. So um, as a coach, we know that this is something that if you're in a coaching class or you're, you're learning the profession of coaching, you may not hear a topic like forgiveness as something that's um, brought up as one of the main topics you need to learn about. We, we as coaches learn schemes of our sports. We learn skills, how to develop skills. And we do learn about how to develop teamwork and that kind of thing. But this is an example of, of something that a lot of the leading coaches that I've spoken with on this podcast and, and learned about and learned from over the years talk about conflict and how do we get through conflict and how do we get through hurt and pain that occurs in relationships in these kind of intense places of teams. And so this is something that's very relevant on a team is how do we forgive each other and how do we how do we move through things together in in order to um, become better as individuals and better as as a team so I want to thank Dr. Enright for his time Um, again as we'll talk about in the in the interview he's he's a world leader he's um, not only has he written um, all of these things I've mentioned he's he goes into some of the Um, what we call conflict zones in the world and works with leaders in overcoming some of the world's most kind of um, notorious conflicts. And for example, he's worked for many years in Northern Ireland with the um, conflict there in Northern Ireland with the English Northern Ireland conflict. He's also worked with the Israeli and Palestinians um, on conflicts in the Middle East um, for many years. So his work is at the highest of levels throughout the world and it's also um, at basic levels, at family levels and school classroom levels. Um, he has a very thoughtful way and very insightful way for talking about forgiveness and, and distinguishing various kind of moral constructs relating to forgiveness and how they take shape in our groups and in, in our um, lives that we each lead. So this is a a, a kind of a new direction for us with the, the podcast. Again, we will continue to speak with coaches and I'm looking forward to that. But I'm also just really honored that Dr. Enright would take the time with us. And I learned so much from him and I hope that you will as well. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing?
1: I was hired here at the University of Wisconsin in the Department of Educational Psychology to study human development. And one area within human development is moral development, or how people grow in character. And at the time when I came here, which was 1978, Uh, The big theme in moral development was children's and adolescents' understanding of justice, or thinking through the complexities of being fair. And I was very obedient to that, and I had publications on that, grants on that, and I got tenure with it. And one day I woke up and I asked myself, who are you helping by your research? And my answer was, Oh, maybe three colleagues and myself, and we meet at meetings, local gatherings for conferences every year, and pat ourselves on the back, and off we go. So I decided to throw it all over a cliff, and I asked myself, what might be really helpful to people across the world in the moral realm? And what kept coming up is the reverse of justice, which is injustice. When we're treated unfairly how do we climb up out of that pit how do we get rid of the anger the resentment even the hatred that can literally bring us down and forgiveness kept coming up and so at that time which was 1985 I actually had to be very primitive about it. I had to actually walk to the library and have a librarian do a computer search on a mainframe computer for the word forgiveness in the social sciences. And after about an hour, she came back with a blank sheet of paper and said, there's no scientific evidence on forgiveness and its utility in the social sciences. So I thought, I think I've got a career here. (laughs) And so, I formed a group of students from all over the world, from Saudi Arabia and Greece and Israel and the United States. We started on Fridays in 1985 what we call our Friday Forgiveness Seminar. And it's been going ever since, Peter. And so of course, with a different cast of characters. And so, we asked questions such as what is forgiveness? What's the process of it? And what happens when you forgive?
0: Your initial transition to focus on forgiveness and the fact that there was not a extensive body of knowledge out there empirically about that, was that a risk for you professionally to, to go out on that limb to um, study something that maybe wasn't looked at as uh, something that was um, in the, kind of in the mainstream of, of educational research or human development research?
1: It was a huge risk that I was willing to take. Uh, all my grants dried up. Uh, I was seen as someone who had ruined my own career. In fact, some of the counsel to some of my own graduate students was not to work with me anymore because I've ruined my career and I'll ruin their career. And I remember one professor in between the two buildings where I work, the little alleyway came up to me around 1985, 1986. And he looked both ways over his shoulder, and he whispered to make sure no one else heard, if I were younger, I would join you. That's how dangerous it was. People thought I was off the rails, because they thought I was dealing with something soft, unreasonable, highly religious. And forgiveness is a moral virtue. It started uh, in philosophy, and it certainly has made its way into religious circles, but it's basically a moral virtue open to anybody. But at the time it was so new, everyone was kind of reeling from it and thought it just didn't fit in to the hard headed science of a major university. But I had tenure. Aha! I'm a poster child for how important tenure is. And my answer was. Um, uh, get over it, I'm gonna do it anyway. And I'm really glad I did that because now there are literally thousands of researchers studying the topic of forgiveness, many thousands of mental health professionals doing forgiveness therapy, and educators all over the world doing forgiveness education, why? Because when people are hurt by others, they learn to forgive them by being good to those who aren't good to them, you get your life back, you get your vitality back, you get your energy back, and sometimes you get relationships back. A long time ago there, 35 years ago, academia did not understand that. To academia's credit, many people now are understanding that.
0: Your work is so broad, and and I've spent days even trying to make my way through all that is on your your website and you've done such broad work. So it's it's difficult for me to ask you um, questions here that are even representative of, of what you do, but I have relative to our specific work with, in the area of athletics and working with leaders and coaches, I do have some that are, are kind of specific to that context. And, and one of them relates to um, the benefits that might be uh, accrued by those who forgive others Um, in the context, for example, of a team of these are environments where relationships can be very, very strong, positively or negatively, where, um, you know, you're with someone every day in a very kind of high pressurized environment, a competitive environment, and it's a natural place where conflict can occur and where relationships can be damaged. what are some of the benefits of forgiveness for the individual who forgives?
1: I think you really hit on something important, Peter, with this idea of forgiveness within a highly competitive environment like sports. I played two sports in high school. I played basketball and tennis, and four years of varsity tennis in college. So I know full well that environment. And it's very different than, let's say, in a classroom context, especially in a university setting where the students are paying for it. They want this, and cooperation is pretty much the key. But when you have a competitive situation, even within a team, if someone takes your spot on the starting lineup, for instance, or if a coach wants to win and yells, you don't hear professors yelling in the classroom, then there's hurt. And when there's hurt, there can be forgiveness. And without that, the team camaraderie actually can be hurt. Because let's face it, you and I know that championship teams have cohesion. Those that aren't championship teams oftentimes have division. So part of it is not just talent, it's the gelling of the people. And where there's hard feelings because of the competition, it's going to be natural. It is, I think it's very good if people so choose. It shouldn't be demanded. I don't think it should be something that is just part of the regimen that you run two miles a day and you forgive and you have to do that. But if people willingly choose to forgive within the team, those who they think have been unfair to them, Or they forgive a coach, for example, or other teams. I mean, sometimes, you know, they might use tactics that you think are less than fair. I think it could really help with that camaraderie. I think it could help a lot.
0: I've heard you differentiate between, maybe the word differentiate isn't right, but saying that reconciliation and forgiveness are not synonyms, that they're they're different. Can you talk about the difference between those two terms in in the context of a team? the 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 question I asked asked you um, in a in an email was: Is forgiveness enough?
1: Okay. Well, let's distinguish these two terms first. Forgiveness is a moral virtue, as is justice, kindness, altruism, and what that means is that there's a goodness. That first resides within you as an insight justice is the insight is I have to give the other their due when we play by the rules we are engaging in justice forgiveness is the kind of moral virtue that we offer when we have been mistreated and instead of just trying to make it right again that would be justice we go shall we say the extra mile we we go for mercy on the other we go for not an eye for an eye we go for not getting even but we try for our taking a stance of goodness toward the other and offering a hand of peace to them reconciliation is when the other accepts that hand In other words, reconciliation is when two or more people come together again in mutual trust. You can forgive by offering gentleness, a decision not to retaliate, a decision not to use words to harm without the other ever accepting that. So forgiveness is what I would call a unilateral approach. You do that yourself knowing that it is good, and you do the best you can in a merciful way to those who have been mean to you. And then the reconciliation is the other gets it, changes, and the two of you come together again. We also don't want to leave out of the equation the idea of when we forgive, we also seek justice. So if we have a teammate who's constantly putting me down and telling me I have no talent, and they're not correct. Okay, maybe if they're correct, I ought to think about that, but I don't know why I'd be on the team in the first place. And so if they're constantly putting me down, I can forgive them because they're hurting me by not telling them back how terrible they are. But at the same time, I want it right. And that might mean going to one of the coaches and saying, you know, I'm not getting along with person X here because this person keeps putting me down and they're getting in the way. What can we do? So justice and forgiveness together along with the possibility of reconciliation may lead to a reasonable settled reconciliation and that's what the coaches want for cohesion, for camaraderie as teammates.
0: I've read you talk about when you forgive someone, it's not that you're excusing what they did, or or even necessarily forgetting what occurred. Um, the the and, I, and a question I could ask, which I think it probably has a long answer, is how can coaches build cultures of forgiveness where um, promoting that their members of their team will will engage in be willing to forgive, be willing to engage in the process, I've heard you talk about the process of forgiveness um, right. without while still holding each other accountable to to right action.
1: I think the key is the leaders of the team have to step up first and model that. So in other words, let's face it, coaches aren't perfect either. Sometimes, they might bench someone when they shouldn't have been benched or they're presuming when they're dogging it in practice when they really are ill. Okay. And if a coach knows they've overdone it through intensity because of the will to win, it's perfectly reasonable during a team meeting to say, you know, I was overly harsh on that one and I I think I need some forgiveness here because I'm not perfect and neither are you. And maybe, This would be the coach talking. Maybe it's a good idea for us to take this idea of forgiveness seriously when we hurt each other because we are a team. and We want to come together in unity and forgiveness doesn't mean I'm a wimp. It doesn't mean I'm diving under the table, ignoring what happened. I'm not excusing. I'm not forgetting. What I'm saying is, what happened to me was wrong, and I'm not gonna let that behavior stand in my way of who you are as a person. And I'm gonna try to see you as a teammate, as valuable, as special, and unique as a person and on this team. And I'm gonna respond to you that way, rather than keeping opening up the wound of what you've done to me. Boom, now we have uh, an adult, who is a leader, who has modeled it and suggested it. That creates the culture of forgiveness, you see. And again, we don't want to beat it into the students. We don't want to beat it into the athletes. We want to encourage it so that they're drawn to this, that if I'm having trouble with someone, I might want to speak to a leader about it to get it right through justice. But in my heart, I want to do that work to cleanse myself by seeing the other's worth, by bearing the pain, by being good, deliberately choosing to be good to the other, even though society says, why should you? They've been mean to you do it anyway. That's why forgiveness is controversial and got me in trouble when I started this as an academic. And once people finally get that, it's a counter to the resentment that literally could stay with people for the rest of their lives. Cause I'll bet you, If you look at people who played high school sports and took it very, very seriously and they're now middle aged, I bet you they'll remember some of the hurts against them. I bet you they're still carrying some of those memories. If they haven't forgiven to cleanse themselves and move on, they might take it to their grave. That's how seriously we take our athletic experiences that we can keep them for 40 years. And that's why forgiveness is so important now with the leaders
0: suggesting it, but not demanding it now. We often hear about sports as a place to learn life lessons, and you've used the quote that Aristotle says that you grow in any virtue by three things, practice, practice, practice. And I can sure see how that, what you just said, um, sports provide you a venue for practicing this virtue of forgiveness that could ultimately uh, benefit you for your whole life post sport
1: exactly, see one thing I think we learn in sports is how to lose, not just how to win but how to lose, and to persevere and keep going. So if we've lost by someone making a bad comment or uh, you know somehow subverting us during the scrimmage so that we look bad, well, we have a way to not let that loss defeat us, to not let that discourage us, but to rise up from that by standing there in the pain, not throwing the pain back to the other to show myself how strong I am and to take some vision, a new vision, that this is a human being and a teammate that's more important than just what happened. And in doing that, really good things can happen for the individual who's the object of the unfairness and possibly for the one who perpetrated it
0: we're in an era now with just much discussion uh, very difficult discussion about injustice in the world and very difficult things that just many people are going through at, at many levels uh, and um I've, I've heard you talk about uh especially when working with children it, it's critical that we help them understand that injustice in different forms will happen to each one of us at, at throughout our lives everyone no matter who you are will suffer injustice and it's kind of an in- inevitable thing um, how when, when it comes to talking to to a group uh, whether as a teacher or a coach and, and you're talking about that that you not everything is going to go your way and people will treat you badly how how do you find the is there a sweet spot of saying injustice will occur to each of us we need to be prepared to respond but at the same time we need to work we can't accept injustice how how do we talk about both of those things
1: well the natural learning comes when the injustice happens in a classroom or in a family or in a sport, either in practice or doing an actual game. And so when that happens, that becomes the teachable moment. And we talk about the injustice and that this is not so unusual, because when you're an adult, you're probably going to be facing injustices that are a lot worse than this. And so the question is, How are you going to deal with the effects of injustice? You see, forgiveness deals with the effects of the injustice. How are you going to deal with those so that those effects don't bring you down? And here's what I mean. Let's say someone thinks that they're great in a given sport and they've been benched for most of the season. After everybody hands in their uniforms and the season's over, that person might be stewing in their own anger. So now they're not paying attention in class. They're so stewing about it that they have less energy. They're really kind of annoying at home. And if they're starting to develop friendships, they're not going very well because of the anger there. That Those are all effects. What are we going to do with those? No one talks about that. We talk about injustices and we talk about trying to right the injustice, but very, very few people talk about those effects. And that's where forgiveness comes in. And people need to know that. They, this needs to be heralded that the effects themselves oftentimes are worse than the injustice. Because the injustice itself usually is a section of time. For some, it's ongoing. But for most people, it's a section in time. But then the effects could be long lasting and you bring it to your grave. So seeing that can be a motivation to bring forgiveness into the discussion and add forgiveness into our livelihood. And without that, I actually fear for humanity because the effects can so build up that you know what happens? We pass those effects to our spouses and our children who grow up and they pass it to their spouse and children who grow up and pass it to their spouse and children. And I have seen this kind of anger, prejudice and stereotyping in Northern Ireland, where I have worked for 18 years because of the Irish English conflict, which started, by the way, in the 1500s. And the effects of that are still here, what, about 400 years later? And so if we don't do something about those effects, it can last for hundreds of years, like a virus to stay alive. It keeps jumping from host to host, in this case, heart to heart, over the generations. Who's gonna stop it? We can start planting that seed of the stopping it as coaches, working with athletes, who have had difficulty which is inevitable in the sport and you know what that's growth producing not necessarily a bad thing
0: is is that distinction between effects of injustice and the injustice itself can that be a, a bump in the road for a lot of um, leaders trying to communicate with uh, with those with whom they work um, that on one hand for do do a lot of people kind of conflate forgiveness with acceptance of what occurred
1: yes absolutely here's another one of my examples i have been asked to give talks in the palestinian community of the middle east 14 times and they say that they have a land dispute with israel that is not going to go away until the land dispute is solved and I've been asked to talk about forgiveness in the Palestinian communities. 14 times I've been up to bat for talks. How many hits have I gotten? In other words, how many times have I been successful without people yelling at me because of the theme of forgiveness? Mm -hmm. I'm 0 for 14. I'm gonna be benched. Every time I talk in the Palestinian communities, they say, you are representing Israel, which I'm not, I, I've been asked by the Palestinian people to come in some Palestinian leaders, you are trying to get us to lie down and accept the land taken away from us. And so you are here to do us damage. And so I now give them a multiple choice question when I'm yelled at, which is 14 out of 14. I, said, I want to give you two possibilities, which do you choose? One, you will live the rest of your life without getting any land back at all. And you will also live with hatred and resentment that you could pass to your children. Or number two, you will live for the rest of your life without getting your land back at all, same as number one, but now the effects of that in terms of anger and hatred are much lower and you don't give that to your children. Which do you choose? Everyone chooses number two. Then they let me speak, okay, because they hadn't thought about that. They're so zeroed in on the injustice, and they misunderstand forgiveness as something dangerous to them and a political ploy, which means the danger of that error is that they might so dismiss forgiveness within their own community. I'm not asking them to forgive with Israel. I'm asking them to not let the effects so burn them that they displace their anger onto their own children and spouses and once they see that they realize they're in a danger zone and that danger zone is they're going to let the power structures bring down their own family and the message of forgiveness is don't let that happen
0: when when you are working with a group where there's like a long, these conflicts you've discussed these in, in Northern Ireland and um, throughout with working with world leaders and Palestinian leaders is some of the highest level work of forgiveness I could imagine. But even working say in a much smaller, smaller scale, like in a school um, or on an, or on an athletics team where you have a much smaller group and in many ways, lower stakes. um, But Someone who's, who, who is aiming to forgive, but the other person is not perceived as changing their um, the way they're going about things. And so the, you mentioned that the period of being hurt is often a time attached to a certain time. If, if the person who's aiming to forgive can't see that time ending, the person persists in their hurtful action, um, where do you go from there? So I want to forgive well, I want to forgive a yeah. teammate but he continues to act the same way the same hurtful way. Where where do you go from there?
1: What you have to do is then bring the moral virtue of justice alongside forgiveness. And you've got to get some help there. It's very important not to be silent whether it's in a classroom setting or in a team setting. Forgiveness by itself i really lean on the philosophy the ancient greek philosophy of aristotle and he tells us never do practice any moral virtue in isolation from the others because you then can distort even that virtue so forgiveness by itself could degenerate into weakness but when you bring justice alongside you realize i've got to get some help with this so you've got to talk with the coach or if it's a classroom setting you've got to talk to the teacher or one of the deans concerned with discipline because you have to solve that problem, but it's not just solving the problem. That's the goal. It's to also heal from being torn up inside by what this person's constantly doing because a coach could solve that problem today by saying to the other person X, you know, if you keep saying this, I'm benching you enough. That person's going to stop. Okay, it's done, but it's not done in terms of the effects on the one who's been victimized. That's when forgiveness can really pay dividends so that, yes, the the injustice has stopped, but now what do we do with the burning resentment every time I'm on the field or on the tennis court or in the gym with this other person? You see, you can get rid of the burning anger so they no longer have power over you because even though it stopped they could still have power over you because the effects are so negative for you they've won you don't let them win forgiveness is a way to stop that
0: you you've written so much so many books and your 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 book eight keys to forgiveness um i know it 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 brings many of your your lessons together in these areas um but if if you were to talk to a A leader of a again in the context we're talking about in a school or team context about the idea of cultivating like a culture of forgiveness about making making it amenable to forgiveness and supporting forgiveness where would you start
1: okay they could start with the book eight keys to forgiveness (laughs) I also have a blog on psychology today it's a popular magazine in the United States and My blog area is called The Forgiving Life, and I have about 70 essays on that, but there are some on forgiveness education, and they're very quick reads. Uh, Psychology today has us constrain our amount to about 1,500 words, and so someone could read that in 10 minutes about how to bring forgiveness into a family context, how to bring it into an educational context. We have some bullet point ideas for how to do that. We're working on a journal article right now, an academic piece on the just and forgiving community. And we're thinking of that, planting that within schools, which we do all over the world. I travel extensively twice a year at others' invitation, especially in conflict zones, like we've discussed here today, Peter. And it's not that hard It's simply, we already have justice in classrooms, and on teams it's called obeying the rules, right? That's exercising the moral virtue of justice. People don't call it that, but that's what it is. Well, let's add something to it, which is the moral virtue of forgiveness, which is how we get out of the injustices, which brought me into this field academically in the first place, so that we also look at that side of the team that side of the classroom or the family and it might make all the difference when you have a just community which all sports have because you have rule books what about the just and forgiving community by adding that by the leader again using the teachable moments it could make all the difference in the heart of those little athletes with whom someone is working with eight-year-olds and ten-year-olds so they won't be remembering it with acrimony when they're 50. It's an important kind of thing for coaches to think about, I think.
0: Bob, my final question for you is, we we kind of run the gamut with the coaches we're working with, some working with just real little ones like you just alluded to, four or four, five-year-olds, and others at the far end of the extreme working at, with the highest-level elite performers, working with professional athletes, Olympic Performers, um, And one of the themes I've heard is, is at a much more um, individual level of, of self-forgiveness. That is like when, when some athletes and coaches reach the highest pinnacles of their work that they're doing, and something goes ra- radically wrong, and it, it doesn't go right, and that the act of self-forgiveness can be very difficult. I've been asking you a lot of questions about forgiveness in more of a social context of forgiving others. Is Are the same tenets at play when it comes to self-forgiveness?
1: Similar with one exception. First of all, self-forgiveness is harder, I find, than forgiving others because we tend to be harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And so when people ask me about self-forgiveness, I ask, do you think you've truly broken your own standard of right and wrong? And if they say yes, I say, if you want to find out what that pathway is like, forgive someone else first. And as you do that, you make a decision to forgive without condoning. You will try to practice being good to the other. You will try to see them as having worth. You will bear the pain. You will try to be gentle, gentle with them and not hurt them, then you know that pathway. And I say now apply the same thing to yourself. Are you a person of worth despite what you've done? Can you bear the pain without subverting yourself? Can you have mercy on yourself as you have had mercy on other people by being gentle with yourself? Usually if someone has practiced it toward others, they know now know what that is like. The real difference is when you break your own standard, you usually have offended others as well. So then you can, in self-forgiveness, go to others you've offended and ask for forgiveness, the flip side of forgiving, and try to get it right with those you've offended if you have. If you haven't, then okay, you can apply it just to yourself. But in most instances of self-forgiveness, I find, Others are involved who have been hurt by your actions. Go to them and seek forgiveness as well.
0: Bob, thank you so much. This is really, really fantastic for for us, and really will be a wonderful lessons for for all of us.
1: Well, thank you for all you do, Peter, and really building up coaches because we know coaches are building up these athletes for life experiences later on. So thank you very much for all you do.